How would you define creativity? Are you born creative? Why is creativity important for work and play? All questions I ask of my guests. Real people living real lives. Interesting, thought-provoking and inspiring. Creative Conversations with me, Jacqueline Goddard. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to uh, Asha Oliver, animator, social media guru. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that guru because I've like anybody who calls himself a social media guru, I put in the kind of category of I'm this amazing superhero and you'll never get to my level. Never. Um, I, I'm definitely a social media person on social media who uses social media as a way to tell their story and communicate with other people on social media. Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> but you you are um i mean the the youtube video i've seen of yours way to go is just yeah. uh, amazing um and i recommend everybody go and, and watch that on youtube so tell me a little bit about how that came about because obviously there is a story behind it and i would imagine that uh, it's something that was obviously very close to your heart so give us a give us a bit of a, a taster of how that how how you got into to making that one and, and writing that yeah um well the actual uh, spoken word itself was written about my story from A to B of how I got to um, be an animator. Um, I actually performed that spoken word at a cafe that was um, that's actually located in Leeds. Um, and the crowd absolutely loved it. So I was like, cool, I need to kind of take this further. I want to do something else with it. I don't, the, th the thing is with spoken word is that you can only do it once or twice before people start to know your spiel. So I was like, in what other medium can I kind of keep this alive and do it? I was like, yo, I used to be a rapper back in the day. Let's take it back to kind of like a rap performance kind of thing. So I did like a spoken word uh, video um, about it um, in a bar uh, in Leeds called Smokestack. Um, and the story is literally just my um, story from A to B, from being a waiter to delivering projects as an animator. So it's pretty fun to do. And, you know, obviously it was during lockdown, which we're in now. But um, it was just another way of sun kind of staying creative within lockdowns, just trying to keep the creative juices flowing. So yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, you know, it's not been difficult. I mean, it's it's kind of been difficult in a way because if you if you collaborate with other people, that's been difficult. But yeah. If you if you're kind of writing stuff for yourself and you've got to get, I mean, I feel like I've had lots of time to get stuff out of my head and onto paper. Yeah. So th that's been helpful in that way. But yeah. obviously you did, you had somebody film it for you. So how did, how did that collaboration happen? So the, the guy who directed it and filmed it for me is a guy called Mark Bradley. Um, shout out to Mark Bradley Films, which is his uh, uh, brand name. Um, yeah, so we've kind of stayed close even during, uh, sorry, before um, the COVID actually hit. Um, he, the, how I met him was at my old workplace at Angelica and Lee's, the bar I used to work at. And he had walked in to ask my manager to see if he could film some content for the brand and do like a almost like a marketing video for Angelica, which is where I worked. Um, so we kind of like swapped uh, social media tags there and said, hey man, let's keep in touch. You do this, you do that. Maybe later on, there's a collaboration kind of thing. Um, join the same workspace and kind of always stayed in contact. And whenever there's a creative opportunity that I've come across, I always point them in the direction of it and vice versa. So we've always kind of had each other's back in that kind of sense. And yeah, so this COVID thing hit and I was like, dude, I want to do this spoken word video thing. And I was kind of like stirring on it for ages. I was like, you know, I, I want to get it planned out properly. I want to do this, want to do that. And he kind of kind of helped me out in terms of putting a, 
you know, um, put them in the right direction as to kind of get it planned out so we could actually do it. So kind of just like had a conversation about it on the phone. Um, I was like, I know a dude called Ben that works at Smokestack, who I used to work with at Skyline. So it's funny how all these things kind of just, you know, work out because of people that you've worked with back in the day and they actually, you know, can help your future plans. It's, it's weird how life works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that kind of connections and networks and, you know, we all kind of build them as we go through in whatever way our careers sort of take us. You pick yeah. up people as you go, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, and you yeah. don't even notice you're doing it half the time. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I'm not sure about yourself, but I used to go to networking events all the time and I used to struggle. I just not not because I'm you know a, a quiet person, but in terms of you would meet a few people and you'd kind of hit it off. But after that, after you've swapped business cards, you would speak to them again yeah. or you'd make a contact with them and you won't hear from them because they've probably done it 10 million times with 10 million other people. Yeah. So it's kind of tough. It is. It is. And yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, I certainly, I've, I've been running my own business, I suppose, for the last two years. And in the beginning, did a lot of those networking things and felt like an alien, really, because yeah. everybody was was kind of giving you their business cards, but then really all they were trying to do was sell you their product. That was it. And I and, and I wasn't that that wasn't why I was there. I wanted to actually connect with people. Absolutely. Um, and you know, see if there was some way we could work together. But these networking things didn't kind of fit me or me fit them, which is one of the reasons I started the Creative Conversations podcast. Yeah. Because I just want people to know that actually you can be creative and run a business. You know, mm -hmm. we're all creative. So how did how did your creativity manifest back when you were in school? I mean, did you realize when you were that much younger that that being creative was something that was going to be part of of your career going forward? Yeah, I guess in looking back now, in a sense, I could say um, when I was younger, I used to when I was in infant school and junior school at playtime. Sometimes instead of playing on the grass, I'd get like a group of us and we'd go into the music studio and get a bunch of instruments and put on shows at break times and things like that. So you have kids that would sometimes go out and play football, but you have uh, other kids that would kind of be our audience and we kind of play to them on the xylophone and, you know, pretend to sing and things of that nature. So I guess that was a way of, um, you know, kind of tapping into creativity, which I didn't actually know I was doing at the time. I guess it was just like a normal thing to me. Um, you know, but back, back in the day, the kids that I hung around with, some of them wanted to just be footballers and things of that nature. Nobody wanted to be like a, a singer or an animator or any kind of thing in a creative field. Um, but to be honest, I'm not sure where I couldn't really pinpoint where I personally got that from. Mm. I don't have creative parents. Um, they don't really come from a creative background. Um, I'm not sure what it was that kind of made me think that way. I think it was just something within me. Yeah. You know, and it kind of manifested into what it is now. So do you think perhaps then everybody's <laughs> born creative? So being creative is something that you're kind of just born with and maybe maybe we grow out of it rather than we never had it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a bit of both. Maybe you you are born. I think everybody is probably born with an element of creativity, but it's whether you choose to exercise it. Maybe, you know, I, I chose to exercise it more um, than the next kid and they wanted to, you know, go into something else. Maybe their parents said, oh, you want to be a singer? Like, yeah, whatever. That's, you know, that's that's just a dream. That's not reality or whatever. And that kind of shapes the way they think. My parents never really said that to me. 
my parents never really said, oh, you want to be, you know, when I was making uh, mixtapes at home with, you know, rapping over instrumentals and stuff like that, they didn't sit down and say, you know, Asher, this is great, but get a real job. They never said that to me. So I think a lot of it is to do with other kids you're surrounded by and also the way your parents speak to you about what you're doing. Maybe that has an um, effect on you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think that's what it was, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly think my mom and parents weren't overly creative. I suppose my dad slightly is. But as a kid, I, I didn't, I think, realise that. But I just, when I look back, I think they just gave me the freedom to be. So there yeah. was no pressure. As long as, you know, my mum's thing was, you know, as long as you do your best, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, as long as you do your best, then you'll, you'll be fine, whatever you do. And I suppose just having maybe that freedom of, yeah. uh, to, to be able to be whatever you wanted to be. That's it, yeah. A lot, a lot of parents kind of like have an, a, a concrete idea of where they want their child to go and anything else is considered wrong. Yeah. But my parents were open to anything. The only thing they said to me was, because my, my, my parents in Jamaica was like, Asha, you can do what you want, but make sure you don't bring police to my door. <laughs> <laughs> so I could have been anything. Just don't bring police to my door or any kind of trouble. And, and they were just cool with it. Just stay out of trouble, go on this, you know, straight and narrow and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And, and you stuck to that, I, I assume? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You don't see, <laughs> I've never had any kind of trouble with the, the law or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a good boy. I, yeah, I don't think I ever brought the police to my door either. So as a child then, would, did your, were you academic then in any, any way or was it all about the creativity? Was it all about, I mean, going through secondary school, that seems to be the time when you know, that kind of creative streak is, is, is bashed out of kids in lots of ways. Yeah. How, how were you at, um, at senior school once you got, kind of got there and had to buckle down and do exams and stuff? I definitely was an academic. Um, I was in like, you know how the, in school they had kind of like bands kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they're called bands, but like, you know, like level in terms of like how a, a, the child performs a certain uh, subject or whatever. I was in the middle class, let's say. Um, but you know, I, I was on report sometimes I was getting detentions left, right and center, um, you know, not doing my homework and getting lines from the, uh, teacher. Um, I was terrible at math, terrible at science. The only thing I did that was, um, that, that, that kind of stuck out that was good at was drama. Yeah. Um, and even with my English class, there was a speaking and listening exercise that you had to do. And for that, I kind of like put up on a, a put up a performance. I was like a Rastafarian man that was telling, that was teaching the class how to speak Jamaican. And that was kind of like my speaking and listening um, kind of performance to them. So I, I literally, everything, I just kind of brought creativity to it. And it was just everything I kind of turned into a performance because that's how I digest things. Yeah. I'm not an academic person by any means. When it comes to smarts or anything like that, I'm not stupid. But, you know, you won't see me on like uh, eggheads or any kind of shows like that. You, you'll see me on, you know, The Voice or that kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. that's, that's my uh, that's my gig. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that kind of I just it would be great next year sometime. I'm hoping to do with the podcast is to is to get creative people that are, are running businesses or, or using their creativity in their work life and sort of speak to kids and say yeah. actually it's okay that you you don't want to do maths or you can't do this or whatever there are other options you know mm, and I, I think schools are so concentrated on getting the numbers right and yeah. you know all that sort of statistics and everything else and the science and maths and, and English which is all important of course yeah absolutely but, you know some kids don't 
work that way they don't mm. learn that way and so yeah it would be great to to have you come back maybe next year and we'll do something where we can talk to young people and actually show them that there, there is a different way that you don't have to kind of yeah absolutely all yeah. the time <laughs> and what I have noticed I'm not sure if you've noticed this but people who are more academic and more you know IQ um, orientated shall we say they wish they could be creative in a way that they they look at us and say oh I wish I could draw like that or I wish I could come up with a song or something like that but you don't really hear it the other way around yeah you don't hear creative saying I wish I was good at math or you know in a science lab conjuring up a science experiment to do this uh you know get a Nobel Prize like we're just happy being us you know yeah 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 yeah, I, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, I asked them the definition of creativity and uh, they said that it was uh, creativity uh, is, is, the, is the antidote to insanity. <laughs> and actually the way that they'd kind of defined it and got to that point, it made sense because yeah. I think people, it, creativity is just, it's kind of playing, isn't it? It's that inner mm. child. It's that, I mean, yeah. we don't lose that inner child. Mm. And if if you if you allow yourself to keep that in a child then actually it just it it kind of frees up something in your head that you're not you know that that, that you can continue to play so yeah, do you think you've kept hold of your inner child absolutely and I, that's definitely why i'm doing what i'm doing now and why i'm wired the way i am because i've kept my inner child um you know, so sometimes I, I can have the most like downest of days and I'll see something silly on YouTube that the average person won't find funny and I'd be laughing my ass off on it. Mm. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm mature, but know when to tap into my immaturity as well to try and like keep the balance. So I think that's so important because it's back to what we were saying earlier, you know, someone along the lines would probably say to somebody that has an inner child in them and say, oh, grow up or get real that there is nothing fun or appealing about reality right now. Look at us now, we're in a bloody pandemic. Yeah, the only yeah. thing that's keeping people sane is creativity. Yeah. Netflix, you know, uh, Disney Plus, uh, yeah. Amazon Prime, those kind of things. All those creative people that have created that entertainment are entertaining all the people right now and keeping yeah. them sane. So. Yeah. yeah. And, there's, and there's so much, uh, you know, you sort of look at all these Zoom choirs and, you know, Zoom orchestras and people just getting together. I mean, yeah. right in the beginning of lockdown, I think it was um, David Tennant and Michael Sheen did a Zoom TV series. I don't know if you saw it. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was brilliant. But they had literally just in their own homes made this this TV series. It was just yeah. it was incredible. I mean, people have done it sort of differently since. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah, no, you, I can't remember what it was called. Um, so that inner child thing you were saying earlier about, I was just looking here that you have this weird obsession with scrapyards and and people starting up cars. What's yeah. what was all that about? Um, I think, I'm not sure how that links to creative. It, 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 I'm, I'm guessing it is creative in a way. Um, well, creatively coming up with ways to re, uh, you know, re, what's the word? reignite or re resurrect cars that's the one resurrect uh cars that are deemed uh you know scrappable or, or, or dead um i i think it's just like something that i clicked on i just kind of got hooked on after a while i think it, i think it's just kind of interesting um because if i'm not doing that i'm listening to podcasts and things of that nature and i randomly came across that and people were just going into scrap yards and uh, rejuvenating cars and then completely turn them into completely amazing masterpieces, like, you know, recoating the painting and things like that and just making them into what they weren't before. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the? Uh, is it pimp my car? Was it pimp my car? No, but I do what know what you're alluding to. That? <laughs> it's um, <laughs> a rapper called Exhibit in America. He would take people's old like beat down cars that were actually you know not off the road, but they wanted like upgrades of like you know. A, a bathtub in the back seat and crazy obscene things that you know wouldn't even be road legal in England um but um it's 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 similar to that in a sense of taking you know just a, a, a scrapped piece of you know metal and just bringing it back to life and making it something different to what it was before it came off the road back in the day and these are like 1930s to 1940s oh, kind of cars yeah and they're making them like really modern and yeah. you know cars of this day so it's really cool yeah, but yeah. this is something you watch. This is not something you actually physically go out and do yourself. No, but watching it makes me want to physically go out and do it myself and like look for cars that are, you know, taken off the road and see if I can bring them back to life. But that will, you know, it's going to be taking me a lot of time to actually learn how to, because when it comes to under the hood, I have no idea. If you point a car out to me, I can name the manufacturer and the model. But if you lift the hood up, I have a hard time, you know, navigating <laughs> my way around. Yeah, I would as well. <laughs> I would as well. Yeah. Um, and so what then would your definition of creativity be? Is it something to do with, with that sort of resurrecting stuff or how, how would you define creativity? I would say, um, creativity, I would say it's, I'd say it's like a superpower, but I don't want to contradict myself because of my earlier comment about you know, the, the social media guru. I was just saying that because of how they kind of depict themselves as to being, you know, yo man, I I was homeless for like 10 years. You know, I ate five turtles a day to stay alive and that kind of stuff. They just make the, their lives seem like so hard to the point where if you don't have a hard life like that, you will never be as amazing as them. And it's not like that. Um, but when I say superpower, I mean, in terms of, you know, if I use my situation as an example of when I was a waiter, um, my job at Angelica at Leeds, uh, the job I had before 2016, I started working with Foo Fight Studios. Um, on my interview, I said to the interviewer, I said, listen, like, you know, I'm, I want to come as a full-time waiter, but I'm not just a waiter. I want to, you know, I do animations on the side. It's like a hobby of mine. And, you know, I've seen you've got a cocktail menu. What I can do for you is make a marketing video. You know, you don't see any other kind of uh, cocktail bars in Leeds that have that kind of thing. You know, this is a, a value that I could bring to the company free of charge. You don't need to hire a social media person or a, a digital uh, artist to come along. You've already got one here who's also a waiter as well. Um, but in terms of like the, the kind of creative aspect is that in any kind of hospitality role I've had, I've always brought creativity to it as a way to kind of get through. So if I was having a bad night at work and, you know, a customer was giving me a lot of rubbish, you know, oh, my, my, my cocktail took 10 years to come to my table or whatever, I'd go home and make a cartoon about it. Whereas my colleagues would go, um, go out after work and just completely get on the razz and just like drink till, you know, God knows what time in the morning where I'd go home and make a cartoon about my situation to kind of, that's my kind of way of getting through it. Yeah. So um, I, I guess in a way, you know, creativity was a superpower in the sense of dealing with a situation that I wasn't happy with. Um, although I knew it was only a matter of time that, you know, I could kind of like get out of that situation, which I did. Um, but it's also a superpower in the sense that I stood out because I wasn't just coming here just to earn, you know, a paycheck and walk out the door and do it the next day. I wanted to progress and offer something different, not just, you know, I can carry drinks and food to a table. Yeah, no, so, that's, that's brilliant as well, because, you know, so many young people in your situation wouldn't even think, you you know, wouldn't even consider 
offering that you know it's yeah. very much about I'm doing this to earn money so that you know eventually I can do something else but if you can combine whilst you're in that situation doing the thing that you love and, and contributing in that way I think that's brilliant yeah, the, the world, like, things just don't have to be black and white like people say they they are. Like then it's it's not like that. Like there's so much gray area, and if you open your eyes, you'll be able to see that. And when the time's right, just like tap into it. Like just 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 find out what your USP is and what sets you apart, and just completely capitalize on that, and just yeah. like stand out. That's it. Yeah, brilliant. And so, d- give us a bit bit of a taster then. Uh, uh, sort of after you left school, what was the journey to uh, obviously the animator that you are today? Um, it was more, I'd, I'd say more university because that's when I started animating in university. It was at the end of um, my degree in 2009. I started making um, like still images with Microsoft Paint and learning that if I make a still image of a guy with his mouth closed and mouth open, I can put it in sequence, press play and make it move. And I put audio on that. And then, you know, I've got an animation and it's, it's talking. And then from there, it kind of completely blew up. So, you know, who is my, I literally just used, you know, the, the same kind of mentality of like I did my waiter jobs, like kind of taking the mickey out of people. So I just looked to my um, university uh, classmates and just took the mickey out of them. I made a series called the Uni Tunes, which is a play on the Looney Tunes, but obviously we're at uni. Um, and they made a whole 12 episode uh, DVD, which actually acted as kind of like a graduation parting gift. I made an actual physical DVD and sold it for like seven pounds each. And, you know, people walked away with some, you know, some animated memories because I was making cartoons about things that actually happened. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because at that point I was kind of kicking myself. I thought, yo, maybe I should, if only I would have learned how to animate earlier, I would have had more time and more years to kind of build up my skills. And maybe by the time I'd, it came to graduation, I would have been able to go into a level entry level job and things of that nature. But I didn't kick myself too hard because everything happens for a reason. Yeah, um, so, you know, I kind of kept the hunger and any job that I found in Leeds after that, I kind of used the same kind of business model, if you like, you know, make cartoons about my work colleagues until someone kind of takes notice. And in um, Sky Lounge, um, the general manager of that hotel actually took notice. He called me to his office and saw I was taking the mick out of my work colleagues with these cartoons, you know, th- th- and considered the fact that they were swearing and all sorts of obscenities in these things. So I thought it was going in for a bollocking in his office, but he called me and he was Scottish. He said, Asha, I really like your cartoons. Would you, you know, would you consider doing something for the business? Terrible Scottish accent, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, cool. And it was like, you know, I, I pay you for it as well. What's your rates? I was like, what? Pay me for it. I can get paid to make a cartoon. That's nuts. Um, and it kind of went from there. And that's what, kind of that that's where the seed planted i kind of figured that i could make money from cartoons on like a freelance basis on a part-time thing uh, like on the side from my full-time role as a waiter so he kind of instilled that kind of thought process within me whereas you know if if that hadn't happened i would have just been making cartoons for fun for god knows how long yeah and then it kind of went from there from angelica when um I start. I discovered this guy called Gary Vaynerchuk for a friend of mine. He said, "Hey, man, this guy Gary V is really cool. You know, he talks about you know hustling hard and working your ass off and going against the norm and you know the unconventional route, which was, you know, that completely spoke to my kind of reality because you know everything I'm doing is unconventional. You know, if you want to be an animator, as far as I was concerned, if you wanted to be an animator, you had to go to animation school. 
get a degree in animation, you know, have said experience, this, that, and the other. I mean, this is what these job people were telling me when I was applying for these jobs. They were saying, you haven't got years of experience, you need this qualification. And Gary Vee was talking a whole different language, which was my language, which is what I wanted to hear at that point. So I started following him. And one of his lines was that if you offer value for free in exchange for exposure, you could, you know, potentially get on somebody's radar, get on their social media platform. They've got hundreds of millions of followers. And if your name is associated with that, those followers, that traffic will go to you as well. And you never know who may see it. And, you know, that's what happened with him. So I sent him that kind of request and said, hey, Gary, I'll make you cartoons for free in exchange for exposure. Made a cartoon about him going to an old folks home and doing a keynote, which was kind of funny. Um, and then he retweeted it and his videographer retweeted it as well. And so did his business development manager. And it was his BDM that reached out to me and said, hey, we love your persistence. This is great. Um, you know, would you like to, maybe we should have a discussion about working together because that was my request to them. And we got on Skype call. I ran downstairs. I was at work when I got that email. I just left my shift, ran downstairs into the changing room and got on a Skype call with him and said, hey, you know, when we're going to do this kind of thing. And it manifested. And I made a cartoon for Gary V that the um, guy in America, John, who I work with now, saw and hired me off of that. And I made a second video for him as well whilst I was working with John. And we now, you know, run an animation company, making podcast animations, now documentary animations, music video animations, that kind of thing. And it was all from, all from the internet. So for now, I wouldn't even have considered a possible option. Yeah. I would, I mean, that is just an amazing story, isn't it? I just love the fact that, you know, you, you made it happen for yourself. Yeah. You know, and I think that's just such a, a, a fa fabulous thing to, for, for other people to see that actually it's possible. And, you know, sometimes you just have to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. That's it. And kind of just feel the fear and just go for it, you know, because it's, it, it, what's the worst that can happen? And 100%. People, yeah, hold and yourself it's... back from doing that. Yeah. And it's funny you say what's the worst that can happen, because that's exactly what my manager at my job said to me before I'd left to go to work with um, John in America. Um, he said, dude, because he always had my back. He would even contact people in the industry, the digital marketing industry that he knew to try and put me in touch with them to see if I could be a suitable candidate for an entry level role. Things never materialized, but it's the fact that he had my back. He always did have my back in that sense. And he said, once I told him about this opportunity, you know, a guy across the pond has got in touch with me. It's like, it's kind of weird, but you know, I kind of want to go for it. What else is happening with me? And it was like, Asha, just do it. Because I'll tell you what, like, you know, you've always got a place here. If things don't work out, you've got this to come back to, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, you're a terrible waiter or a terrible worker. And I see how hard you've been working. That's why I've been helping you. And he said, dude, just go for it. You never know. And I was like, so I just jumped and that's it. And the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. The Scottish guy. That, uh, no, no, this is, sorry, uh, the Scottish guy was the one I worked in Skylands. The guy I'm talking about now was um, the manager at Angelica, uh, the, the, the other bar I worked after Skylands in. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it's, it's a bit confusing. No, no, no. But, no <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Sometimes you just need to know that that you've got that kind of safety net as well, which I that's think is, is difficult sometimes for people if they haven't got that support behind them. Yeah. That's what makes it difficult to make that leap. Yeah. Really. So, 100%. Yeah. I wonder, like, if, if if that wasn't the case, whether I would have gone for it or not, if I didn't have that kind of backup or support thing. You know, yeah. if my, because which manager does say, hey, go and look for another job? Yeah. Not many. So no. he, he, he could have been horrible about it and said, no, you're not leaving. Like, you know, why are you telling me? I'm not going to help you. You haven't got my blessing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, 
yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that was brilliant so yeah. it had I, I love the way that as well that you've kind of brought all these different strands of what you enjoy doing together so the animation the spoken word the filmmaking yeah. um, and just telling us telling that story um is that something you do now with the animations are you still continuing to 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 use all of those aspects in in the animations that you do now um, sometimes like on the side of what we're doing, I mean, right now we've, we're quite busy with documentaries and a few music videos here and there, but in terms of entwining things all into one with the spoken word and telling our story, um, we kind of do that when, um, we have a little bit of downtime, but we're quite busy at the moment. Um, but that's definitely something we want to tap into because like everybody's got a story and I think everyone should tell their story. Um, and I don't think anybody should stop telling their story. Um, because not long ago, I kind of went through like a, a lull period um, because, you know, because of what's going on with COVID and, you know, you know, every day is like Groundhog Day. You wake up and you yeah. sit down in front of a computer and it's hard to be, you know, inspired and motivated sometimes. But the way you get inspired and motivated sometimes is listening to your own story and reminding yourself of where you came from, what you've achieved, yeah. which is why I think it's important to make content based on your story. So you can use it as a way to kind of take stock and refer back to in order to remind you of who you are and what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm uh, absolutely. And in lockdown, that's something I've heard a couple of times. And uh, even just looking back at what you've, what you've achieved in the last sort of seven months even. So I assume because you are animating that you are probably busier in lockdown than before, because if, if people are wanting to create content, yeah then they can't use people <laughs> necessarily or, or spaces. So, so have you been busier? How's that worked? We've, to be honest, like when lockdown first hit, um, I was kind of worried, but then, you know, things literally stay the same. Like I was getting the same amount of money each month. Like, like luckily I touched wood. Um, my salary wasn't um, affected by it. Um, but yeah, in terms of people, people have definitely been coming to us. Um, we made a music video at the beginning of lockdown called Proceed With Caution with Wyclef Jean and a few of his artists on his label. Yeah. Um, so obviously in normal circumstances, they would all kind of met up in one location, you know, had video cameras and just did like a live footage kind of music video with it. But instead, because of the circumstances, obviously, you know, they came to work. So we made an animated music video, which quite frankly, I think would, be the, would have been a better option anyway, even if the circumstances weren't the way they were. Um, also, yeah, you know, we've done a few documentaries as well. One with um, James Altucher called Choose Yourself. Um, this was actually before lockdown actually started, but, you know, I, I thought because lockdown was a thing um, that it would actually be um, a hindrance to the progression of the documentary because there was still a few episodes to film at, um, just at the beginning of lockdown as well. So, but luckily, you know, it wasn't affected and we still managed to finalise it as well. And, and there's a bit, a few other projects as well. So people definitely have been looking to animators and videographers um, as a, you know, alternative, which is great. So we've yeah. kind of stayed in business. Yeah. So how long has um, uh, Food Fight Studios been in existence and, and how did that start? Food Fight Studios, um, it started back in 2017. Because in 2016, I was working, um, me, me and John were working for his brand called Parody Tees, which is a sports parody brand. And they specialize in NFL and basketball. 
So they make like sports parody logos of, you know, the Denver Broncos and, you know, uh, Dallas Cowboys and that kind of thing and just make funny images based upon their real logo. Um, I made a few cartoons for that, um, for some content to take the Mickey out of, again, taking the Mickey out of uh, sports personalities that are known across the world and things of that nature. But it wasn't until 2017 that John and I sat down and had a talk about doing marketing videos because um, John also noticed that aside from doing these small cartoons for Gary Vee and stuff like that, and, you know, telling my story and making, you know, little viral videos, I was also trying to do like a professional marketing video agency kind of thing. And we kind of sat down in a pub one night and said, you know, maybe we should kind of take this further and, you know, make this into a brand. And the brand at that time was called Communimation. First of all, see if you can say that. And commun yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> <Communima> no. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we had to change the name because nobody could say communication. It was a combination of the word communication and animation. Communication through animation. Um, and we were getting so many clients that enjoyed working with us but couldn't pronounce our name and potential clients that couldn't pronounce our name. So you know, we sat down one day and said, yo, man, we've got to change this name. And it hurt me a little bit because like, yo, I love my little brand here, but I understood the whole thing. So, you know, we put a bunch of names in a hat and we pulled Full Fight Studios out of it. Um, you know, it, it literally doesn't make sense, Food Fight Studios, but, you know, it's, 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 it's catchy. It's easy to pronounce. You can pronounce it. Um, it's alliteration, Food Fight. Um, <laughs> saying that it doesn't make sense we actually sat down and said maybe it does make sense in the sense of we are fighting to get our food in the kind of animation industry and world yeah because th th that's all it is it's a rat race everyone's running to get the cheese you know we're we're, we're in a massive food fight yeah. um yeah but... i did wonder where the where the name came from actually i was gonna ask so yeah Thank yeah you yeah <laughs> food fight studios just random i mean there's there's a bunch of you know, studio names with things that aren't even, you know, remotely related to animation or creativity, brown paper bag or across the pond studios yeah. or things of that nature. So it doesn't matter. It's just got to be memorable. Coca-Cola, you know, who knows what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just, I, how did you, Wyclef John, how did you get, make that connection? Um, through social media um we had got in touch with somebody who was a manager of his who wanted an animated music video this was before lockdown happened who wanted to animate music video and somewhere along the lines john because john deals with the clients like the, the front end of things and she was talking about how she actually works alongside with wyclef john um so this was before we actually produced a music video so me and john were thinking okay cool if we make a really good impression on her with this music video. Maybe she'll talk to Wyclef Sean about some potential opportunities we could do with him, you know, all in collaboration together. So that's basically how we started out. And then we made that proceed with caution music video, um, a few Christmas videos with Wyclef. And then, you know, lockdown hit and we did live at the Apollo, like a, um, a massive uh, digital performance show where we did animations for the intro skits and some of the other skits on his album called The Carnival, which he did in 1997, I think. Sorry, Wycliffe, if I got that wrong. Um, and yeah, like our animations are aligned with him. So you can actually watch that online on Facebook now. And even at the Live at the Apollo Harlem Theatre website, you can still see that. So um, that was, yes, yeah, so that was absolutely amazing. That's a really cool opportunity. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, what advice would you give a young person sort of if they were in a sort of similar position to you were when you were at school that you're kind of you're creative, you're you're doing stuff, you don't quite fit in in the conventional lessons. What advice would you give to somebody leaving school sort of now? I would say don't listen to anybody but you. <laughs> don't listen to anybody but you. Like everyone has got their own opinions about what you should do. And a lot of it is based upon what they failed at. Um, you know, like back in school when I was making, you know, music tapes, me and my friend would put on these shows or whatever, people would laugh at us and say, oh, look at these two rappers. Do they think they're so cool? Da, 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 da. But those people will still come to the shows. Do you know what I mean? They're still coming to the shows. So they absolutely love it. After the shows, they'll be saying, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. La, 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 la. Um, so at school, like, you know, I was kind of like kid that wasn't really taken seriously because of what my interests were. It wasn't football. It wasn't, you know, girls all the time. It was, I want to be a rapper. I'm making my music. I'm putting my, uh, you know, music tapes around school. And, you know, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm the rapper. I'm trying to be something different. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being different. People would tell you there's something wrong with being different because they're scared to take a risk themselves. And I say, look, just don't listen to that. Listen to yourself and just go full speed ahead. That's pretty much it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. So, so the fact that you auditioned for Stars In Your Eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that a rapping <laughs> thing? Did you sort of think, well, I, I could maybe make my fortune? Tell, tell us that about how that happened. How did that come about? Um, um, okay, so again, it was in school and a, a friend of mine did this really good Ali G impression. And, you know, there was a talent show coming up in school and we had gotten word of it. And a song had just came out in conjunction with the uh, talent show that was coming up called uh, Medjuli by Shaggy and Ali G. So he did the really good Ali G impression. So the pressure was on me to learn how to do a good Shaggy impression. <laughs> and I somehow, to this day, I don't know how I nailed it. Um, and, you know, we're practicing after school every other night and then comes the talent show and we, you know, absolutely killed it. Everyone loves, you know, his allergy impression, my shaggy impression. I've still got the tape somewhere. I need to, you know, resurrect that at some point. <laughs> bring that back to life like those cars in the scrapyard. Um, and uh, we, won the, we won the talent show. And after that, uh, Adam's dad, my friend who did the allergy impression, he said, hey, you know, you should take this further, go and stars in your eyes or something. I was like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, that's a joke. And he's like, no, I'm being serious. Like, you never know what may happen. Because he had a never know attitude, just, just do it. So he took us down to London to go and audition. So we both did the first audition on stage one and, um, you know, went home and didn't really think anything of it. It was like, yeah, it's a cool experience. That was fun. You know, who knows, we might get through. Uh, next thing you know, I'm getting a call on the phone saying, hey, you've made it through. I was wow. like, great, we've both made it through. That's cool. And they're like, no, 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 no. You've made it through. You're shaggy, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the shaggy guy. Okay, well, well we, we just want you. And I felt good, but bad at the same time. Cause like, how do I tell Adam about this? <laughs> so I, I rang him on the phone and said, hey, I've got a call from, you know, Granada Studios at the time. And they said, I've got through. And he's like, you've got through. I was like, yeah, yeah, they, they, they just want me. Is that, is that cool? I was like, yeah, like go for it. It was like, he was just like, he had my back. It was like, rain for me, dude, go for it, go for it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, so sometime after that phone call, went down for, you know, stage two of the audition and did, I think I sang Oh Carolina. Um, and didn't get through to the third round. Oh. So I must have done a really bad impression of O'Carroll. Oh, I'd like to see that. <laughs> if you can resurrect it, put it out on YouTube, that'd be great. I, I don't think that one exists in terms <laughs> of the footage for it. And I hope not, because that's not going on YouTube. <laughs> so I must have been dressed in some crazy outfit. 
That is the classic, though, isn't it? Of of a of a duet going along, and they only want one of you, and that's yeah, that's sort of that kind of classic dilemma of you know what do you do? Yeah, Destiny's oh. Child with Beyonce and yeah. you know. Yeah. No, name a band. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of them. Well, there you go. That's the story. That's part of your story now forever. Yeah, it is yeah. solidified in history. <laughs> so, so, what's next? What's what's coming up with uh, Food Fighter Studios? Where do you know? Where do you see twenty twenty one going? Now that we're we're looking as if we're we're coming out the other side. I really hope we come out the other side of um, 2020 um, in, in terms of what's happening in 2020. I, I don't like to say, you know, 2020 was a bad year because, you know, anything bad can happen, but, you know, um, hopefully we'll come into the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, in terms of where we're going, firstly, I mean, in, in terms of where I want to go personally, I want to start doing um, more of the kind of documentary storytelling thing. I'm not sure if you've heard of um, the actors round table on YouTube. No. no. Okay. So basically you have a bunch of actors um, that are well-known in the industry, like sit on like a circular table and just have um, a creative conversation about their, you know, you know, downs, their ups, what they've learned in the industry. And they'll kind of like talk amongst each other and have really cool, interesting conversations. And what I, my, my thing is, is that why should you wait until you are like Samuel Jackson or, you know, Martin Scorsese or said director or actor until you do something like that. I'm always vouching for the underdog because I am one and I want to be amongst other underdogs who want to or, or probably feel like they don't have a voice or feel like they do have a voice, but nobody wants to listen. Um, you know, like kind of come together as one and make some kind of creative content like the Actors Roundtable and, you know, just kind of talk about creative struggles and creative wins and, you know, goals. And also set that as kind of like um, a content thing where you kind of look back on and hold yourself accountable and say, look, this is my goal to do in how many months or how many years and hold each other accountable. So we're kind of like driving each other to go and achieve the goals that you want to achieve and what you're talking about in that particular time. So I, I think that that's definitely what I want to do personally from a kind of personal creative standpoint. In terms of the company, um, we're such an open-minded bunch of people that we would do anything in terms of, you know, we're open to any kind of creative goal, whether it's more documentaries, whether it's more music videos. Um, but I guess things aren't really clear at the moment because of the way the world is. Like, you know, we can't really see that far ahead. We can only concentrate on what's going on now and just hope we even have a future, you know, to be able to do you know, uh, whichever things that we want to do in the future. So yeah. just I mean, in terms of documentaries, are they animated documentaries? They're like a mix of live action and animation. So how it would usually work is say the James documentary, uh, Choose Yourself, the James Altucher story. Um, what he did was record the live action and then send it to us and leave like a kind of black screen texted placeholder saying animation here. And then we do animation based upon the story that he's telling in the audio and then kind of just completely mesh the styles together and just like bring a completely different visual style to it, whether, you know, instead of it just being like a live action kind of piece, because it kind of gets boring after a while. So, yeah, but yeah that's, pretty, that's pretty much what we do for documentaries. Fabulous. And where yeah. did, is that, that's on somewhere, isn't it? The, the Choose Yourself? Yeah, sorry, I should have said that. I'm terrible, terrible promotion. Um, <laughs> so the James Altucher Choose Yourself, Sorry, Choose Yourself, the James Altucher story, which is behind me right there, yeah. um, is on Amazon Prime. And you can see it's like an eight-part series, eight-part mini docu-series, if you like. Really interesting, cool stuff. Yeah. I'm not just saying that because we're part of it. It's actually quite interesting. 
Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. where can where can people find you? I mean, certainly tell us obviously that, that uh, way to go film that you made. Yeah. Tell people where they can find that. Because... You can find the way to go um, on my YouTube. So if you just type in Ashman Tunes on YouTube, you'll be able to find me. You'll see my you know funny face on there somewhere. Um, and there's a bunch of my material on there. Um, like I've got a vlog on there, there's some music videos and also material from Food Fight Studios as well. And you can type that in on YouTube as well and find our um, YouTube page for Food Fight Studios. Um, so yeah, like, subscribe, share, that kind of thing. Um, and my Instagram is at Ashman Tunes as well. Um, at Ashman Tunes. Yeah. Is, what's on your hat? <laughs> what's on my hat? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. See it on your this, hat. This hat is... is it kind of sucks because I didn't want it to be in this uh, font. It's just like a normal aerial font. And I want it to be a bit more exciting than that. But um, I didn't know uh, there were other options. So yeah. I'm going to apply for, I'm going to try and get another hat made. It's just yeah. it's boring. It's too small. No one can see it. Yeah, Comic Sans. Why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Comic Sans. I used to use that all the time, actually, when I first started animating. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did. Back, yeah, back in yeah, the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's been great talking to you. So, yeah, people can find you on YouTube social yeah. media and you know food food fight studios is is where you basically live yeah basically yeah and our, our website is www.foodfightstudios.com and you can see everything on there so it's, it's recently been updated it's taken us ages to do but it's, it's all ready for viewership now so Brilliant. yeah oh well fantastic thank you so much for for talking to me today yeah. Ash. and have a have a lovely lovely christmas as we're just on the cusp of it, uh, it, of it all happening. So yeah, have a fabulous Christmas and thank you very much. Yeah, you as well. Thanks yeah. for having me and um, take care and blessings to you and yours. Happy New yeah. Year and the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, well, happy <laughs> 2021, please. Yeah, oh my God, can you believe we're 2021 already? Thank you for listening. And please subscribe, follow or like. And if you'd like more information on me or my guests, or would like to know how we could work together, then visit the website www.atticasarts.com I'd love to hear from you. Take care.